Second Samuel chapter 23, chapter Second Samuel 23, verse 20. It says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, of Kaz, uh, a Kabzeel, I'm sorry, Kabzeel. I even worked on these Hebrew words just so that I wouldn't stumble over them. Um, it says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down and also slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. I've talked about this before a couple years back, and actually I preached this sermon uh, or sermon like this, similar to this, uh, way back at Indian Hills once. Uh, a few years ago, we were studying 2 Samuel, and I talked about this guy. But I want to take another angle. Here's what it says here in verse 21. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. That means he was good and strong, not necessarily good in character. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff, and he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among the three mighty men. He was more honorable than the 30, but he attained not to the first three. And David set him over his guard. That is his personal security detail. Okay. So this guy is kind of unpopular in scripture. And so I'm doing this profile on people that are unpopular in scripture. So Reg. I'm going to show a video clip. I need you to hit the lights, Reg, if you would, please. If you hit the lights there in the back. This, is, this lasts exactly 61 seconds. I'm going to show it once, and then I'm going to show it a second time and explain it. Uh, let me get rid of this message on the screen. Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm going to point the camera to the screen, hopefully. Uh, actually, Justin, can you cue that up for me, please? You ready to play it? Okay. Okay, let me just get a little better angle. So you all read the story, so now I want to show you a little, little animated presentation of Benaiah and what he did on that snowy day. Okay, Justin, let her rip, please. This only lasts 61 seconds, so you gotta watch it closely. Okay, so think about this for a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it again here in a second, but I want you to think about something. 
Most people, when they see a lion, they run the opposite direction. No one runs at a lion. No one chases a lion. Okay? This is just amazing what this guy does. And he's only in Scripture for about a few verses. I mean, there are 66 books in the Bible. There's hundreds of chapters and thousands of verses. And we're introduced to this guy for about two minutes. And you don't know anything about his past and very little about his future. But it just shows that God can use anybody regardless of how quaint and how unpopular and unfamiliar they are. So I'm going to run it one more time. And I want to just uh, talk about a couple things about the lion. Justin, will you run it one more time, please? Okay, can you pause it for a second? Okay, so a lion, a lion, an average lion weighs about 500 pounds. They're carnivores. They eat everything. They even eat elephants and giraffes and wildebeests and wild boars and even hippopotamus. Basically, nothing is safe in their view because they can leap 30 feet from a standing still position. So unless you're an eagle or a bird, you're pretty much in play. And they have a ferocious appetite. I mean, they can eat several hundred pounds of meat in one killing. Matter of fact, they have a hard time fighting off the hyenas and other smaller animals that try to take advantage of their prey. Uh, they have no known predator except man. None of the other animals will try to attack or use lions for food unless the lion's already dead. A lion, I, I found out, has amazing vision. I, I was wondering, why did the Bible take the time to tell us that this was on a snowy day? You see the snow prints? Well, the reason I believe that the Bible tells us that this happened on a snowy day is because a lion has five times the vision of a human with 2020. That means they have something like 120, 100 over 20 vision. Is that correct or is it five over one? Whatever it is, theirs is five times higher. Their roar can be heard over five miles away, which is great for intimidation and fear. And on top of that, their claws, one swing, can break every bone in a human body, including a skull. And on top of that, these guys can run. You try to get away. That's tough because they can run between 35 miles and 50 miles per hour. That's faster than some cars, especially one car that I used to have. <laughs> OK, you can let it run, Justin. Okay, so can you pause for a minute? Let me just say this. When you see a lion, if you guys ever run into a lion, if you're out hiking or camping or just doing an overnight in the woods or just having a picnic, um, <laughs> something should tell you not to run to the lion. If you're going to run at all, and what I've read, actually, when you encounter a lion, the best thing they say to do is to raise your hands high and yell real loud. If you have something in your hands, throw it at them and stay still, even if the lion is charging. I thought this is very counterintuitive. 
you know, because I'm thinking I want to run. But nothing that I read, and I did a lot of research on this just in preparation for today, nothing that I read said run to the lion. It said either stay still, raise your hands real high, and make a lot of noise because that's somewhat intimidating to them. But don't run to it. Don't provoke it. Don't challenge it. He's challenging it. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay, let her rip. <coughs> Okay, pause one more time. This will be the last talk, I promise. So, here's what I, matter of fact, a couple of good books you guys can get that really go into this amazingly. A guy by the name of Ray Stebb, and he's gone to be with the Lord now. He used to pastor a church in the middle of Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, California. He just did an amazing uh, series and writings on this subject. And another guy named Mark Baderson, if look this guy up. He did some amazing research on lions and on this particular passage of scripture, Mark Bates, and you can find some YouTube videos on him as well. But he has some killer books you can find at Christian Book Distributors or Amazon about chasing the lion. One of the things I learned about this, which I thought right here was amazing, if the lion goes in the pit, human nature would say, that's the Lord's providence. It's time to go. He's trapped in the pit. Must have been a deep pit because a lion can leap 30 feet vertically. So I'm thinking that the pit is more than 30 feet, or at least 30 feet perhaps. Run, that's your cue to go. Benaiah doesn't do that. By the way, his name means God has built. God is building. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. You, the guy, the lion somehow falls and jumps in the pit. I don't know if he was running away from Benaiah or he gets in the pit because maybe there was some snow that hit a, a, a little drop and he fell through the ground. But he's in a pit. Benaiah doesn't run from him. You'll see again what he's going to do, which I think is just amazing. Let it run, Justin, for the last time. He's running backwards to get a running start. Amen. You can turn on the lights, Reg, please. Thank you, Justin. So, so he runs to the lion, and I think this is amazing. So here's what I wanted to answer. Three quick questions for you. Let me just make sure I'm on frame. Okay, I think I am. Okay, who was Benaiah? What idiot would run and jump in a pit and chase a lion and why? Okay, here's what I think. The Bible doesn't say why. I looked in First Chronicles. There's, there's two passages that talk about him. First Chronicles 11 and 2 Samuel 23. Neither of them tell us why he's chasing the lion. Neither of us tell why he jumped in the pit after the lion. I don't really know. The Bible doesn't say. But here's what I found out in my research. Lions, they kill the livestock. They kill sheep. They reduce the food supply chain. They 
are a menace to anybody in the village or the community. So this lion could have presented an amazing set of problems for them. He wasn't just out there showing his macho-ness. He wasn't showing, you know, you know, his testosterone. He wasn't trying to be a hero, I believe. I believe he was trying to eliminate what was a menace to their society. Amen? Especially killing livestock and killing their food supply. So the Bible doesn't tell us when he did this, but we know that snow had just fallen, so I'm assuming winter. It doesn't tell us why he did it. It doesn't tell us specifically where he did it, but we know what he did. And he jumped, and listen, I want you to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22 says, and Benaniah, or Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes, or two lion-like men of Moab, and he also went down and struck down a lion in a pit when snow had fallen. He also killed an Egyptian that was seven feet five inches. Imagine a guy looking down on Shaq. Mm -hmm. This guy that is looking down, could look down on Shaq seven five, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. Did some research on that. A weaver's beam has the same diameter as, wait for it, a telephone pole. Mm. So this guy was essentially, wielding a telephone pole at, at Benaiah, and Benaiah went down, took it from him, and killed him with his own spear, and slew him with his own spear, First Chronicles tells us. This guy was tough. So apart from, apart from how macho he was, apart from how tough he was, I'm impressed with multiple things, but let me give you some life lessons as to perhaps why we have this in scripture of this unsung hero, so to speak, this unpopular guy. Number one, I think we have him in scripture because of what his name meant and what his father's name meant. In most of the passages that this guy has mentioned, where we hear of, I'm going to turn these other mics up, what we hear is um, most of the time that he's mentioned, he's mentioned along with his father, his father's name was Jehoiada. And that in the name in Hebrew means, you're going to love this, God knows. Mm -hmm. His name, Benaiah, means God builds. So when you put those two together, what you get is this son that was bred by his father, trained and taught by his father, who, by the way, was a high priest. It means that. God knows what we need, watch this, and he builds us to be equipped to succeed at what he knows we need to do. God knows, God builds. God knows what we need and what we're going through, and he builds us. He supports us. He constructs us. He equips us. He empowers us to do his will and to be successful. I, I love that. I love the fact that God doesn't throw us into a pit of lions on a snowy day and we're afraid of a, of a little kitty cat. God just would not put us in a position to lose. 
He would not put us in a position to fail. That's not what God does. Whatever God is bringing into your life, whatever lions, whatever pits are in your life right now, whatever you're going through, whatever your future holds for you that might involve a lion in a pit, maybe not a physical lion, but first Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking on the prowl, seeing whom he may devour. That's first Peter 5, 8. So the devil is like a lion. He's not a lion, but he's like a lion. He has this roar which is mostly more bark than bite because the devil uses, he uses tactics like intimidation and panic and fear to keep us from getting and receiving and walking and living in God's best. Remember what David wrote in Psalms 23? He says, though I walk through the, watch this, valley of the shadow of death not death just the shadow the devil uses shadows and types and images and intimidations and panic to get us to lose and not have and enjoy God's best for us whatever lions whatever pits you find yourself confronted with on a snowy, slippery, cold, miserable, visually impaired day, you need to know that God is building you now. That's the Monday morning moment, by the way. I'm just going to give it to you right now because I'm going to just do a part two. I don't want to finish this today because I want to just leave this salient thought in your mind so you can just take this home. The Monday morning moment is God is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. I didn't, I didn't make that up. I got it from 2 Chronicles 16.9. <laughs> and here's what 2 Chronicles 16.9 says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't it encouraging? The Monday morning moment is that God uses our past. I said I was debating when I was writing this to use the word past victories or past experiences. But experiences would include both victories and failures. Because what I'm going to talk about next week is that God even uses our failures, our miscues, our missteps, our, our blunders. He even uses those to help us and prepare us for future opportunities because God still uses us, even broken, even damaged, even incomplete. God still, you, isn't it great that God doesn't wait until we're perfect for him to use us? Isn't that great that God doesn't say, oh, I can't deal with this guy. He has too many flaws. He is too imperfect. He is too incomplete. This guy is a work in progress. I'm sorry. I need a perfect guy. Where, who would he pick? His, his pickings would be super slim because who's ready? 
who's able at any given point to measure up to what God would want us to be and do. God uses flawed, broken, damaged people. Oh, my goodness. No other God is like that. Amen. No other God is like that. Oh, my goodness. I'm just so happy that he chooses to use us even while we're a work in progress, even while we're under construction, even while we're undeveloped, unfinished, unrefined, unpolished, God still says, but I will use you, and I will use your failures, I will use your victories, I will use your past experiences as a means to prepare you for future opportunities, future victories, future successes, future triumphs. Amen? Exciting. I figured I'd be more pumped about this than you guys, but that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I had to spend two weeks with this, so of course I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think of every nuance. That there's, there's so much more I want to say, which is why I decided I'm going to make this a part two, because I think, I think fighting a lion and killing a lion in a snowy pit that's just menacing the community, I think there's lessons... It's, though it's metaphoric in this particular case, I think I'm not advising or suggesting anybody run out and jump down in a pit and fight a mountain lion. I didn't even know there were 14 different species of lions. Well, I know more about lions than I ever care to know, and I don't want to face any of them. But I will tell you, metaphorically speaking, if there's a symbolic lion in your life, if there's a symbolic snowy pit in your life, if there is a challenge in your life, be it physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, financial, marital, whatever you're going through, God will allow you to be built so that you will be successful. Amen. 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 Lord, we just thank you for this sermon. We thank you for this day. Lord, may we conquer the lions in our life. May we chase away fear and doubt and uncertainty. May we chase away intimidation and roars and factors that might hinder us from being valiant and courageous and victorious. Lord, anything that would cause us to do anything but succeed in your sight, we ask you for strength and power to overcome. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And you have given us, Lord, this opportunity to be successful, for no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And you, Lord, are, you have strengthened us that you have given us the ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, make us aware of these scriptures and aware of these promises that we will recall them to mind when we're in the midst of a crisis, when we're in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, we ask you to bring back these scriptures of power to us that we might remember them and apply them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.